Hello and welcome to Trigonometry. I'm Francis Foster. I'm Constantine Kisson. And this is the show for you if you want honest conversations with fascinating people. Our brilliant guest today is a fantastic comedian, one of our favourites, Leo Kirst. Welcome to Trigonometry. Hello, Francis. Hello, Constantine. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you, you said that in a voice that's so different to the way. Well, we yeah, you talk. said you were talking like newsreaders or something. You never talk like that in real life. Yeah, it's like you know when your mum answers the phone and you know she puts on that posh voice. You know, Hello, this is. <laughs> is that a posh voice? Is that what you're describing there? for Francis? No, yeah, for Francis, yeah, it might be. Uh, but you're in, you're in good spirits, man. You've just come back from Australia where you were stuck during the lockdown. Yeah, I was out there for like almost six months, so I got stuck over there because of coronavirus, and yeah, just stayed. And I wish I'd. Stayed like the day after I left the comedy clubs opened up again so obviously there's, there's social distancing but now it's up to 300 people allowed in venues they don't have any coronavirus there and I've come back to the UK and there's no gigs and uh, it appears to be some sort of race war as well <laughs> so I'm really wishing I'd stayed <laughs> it's always us the Australians knew you'd left mate <laughs> you got on the plane let's open up yeah but it, 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 it's it, the world is going in a very strange direction isn't it like what do you make of it because you've, you've been abroad you really haven't been part of the whole like Dominic Cummings end of the world and like all that shit and you come back and suddenly as you say it seems to be very very serious right now doesn't it? Yeah absolutely and I don't know if it's uh, part of it's a response to coronavirus everybody's been like you know just stuck in their houses for, for months on end and like just festering and, and ready to you know it's like a, it's like a pressure cooker mm. ready to uh, blow off you know I mean I bet half of the people that were at the the demonstrations were just looking for an excuse to get out of the house Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and obviously, I mean, I watched the I watched the uh, murder of uh, George Floyd, and it's like, I mean, it's shocking. It's a real visceral sort of, um, so uh, such a clear sort of symbol of of the sort of uh, the the racism inherent in the in the police, the sort of st- systemic racism. Because not only is the guy killing him, but he's doing it being filmed, surrounded by police officers. He knows he's not going to get into trouble. So, um, so yeah, that was, I mean, that was really shocking. I think, you know, something that visceral, that emotional is obviously going to, you know, people are going to rise up. Um, I mean, thank fuck it's like, you know, it's actually making real change in, in, uh, in policing and also across wider society. So, I mean, I think in the UK, we went through that with the Stephen Lawrence uh, inquiry um, in the 90s. And so the, you know, the police took big steps to address systemic racism within, you know, institutional racism within the ranks. And uh, hopefully that's that's now happening in America, but it's kind of it's kind of overdue. Sorry to be so serious, you know what I mean? But it is, it is, uh, it is true, and like you know, I can totally see why. I mean, the one thing is, um, white woke people wasted no time at all, like making it all about themselves and you know making things worse. You know? <laughs> straight out there with the, I've seen them like I've seen them on Facebook. The stuff you see on social media, I've seen white people renouncing renouncing their white privilege. So you can't renounce it. You're still white. You know what I mean? The only way to renounce it is to do blackface. It's definitely going to make things worse. You know what I mean? So you can't renounce your white privilege. And, yeah. Did you? Did you buy? I saw lots of people with books. Did you get some books and then do an Instagram story about it? Man, none of those people are going to read those books. I've seen people posting photos of like 58 books on colonialism and like you know systemic racism and stuff. They're going to read. They're not. They're not going to read those books. Like that's it's ridiculous. It's, it's like a it's like a thing that they're uh, it's just um, performative, you know. It's virtue signaling, um, and also a lot of these books. I saw there, there's one uh, there's one called 
It's called something ridiculous, like how to talk to black people or something. It's written by a white person, <laughs> and the whole thing is just sort of all this guidance that you've got to like go through when you're talking to a black person, as if like the you know what white people need when they're talking to black people is more of a stick up their ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think what, what people need to do is just uh, they need to make honestly to to make. Um, uh, people less racist has got to be simple and I think you know simple rules nobody's like some people are going to read 58 books most people aren't going to read 58 books those guys that were protecting the war memorials and doing Nazi salutes they're not going to read 58 books you need to make it simple like just something like don't be a dick and like you know listen and you know if somebody raises something then listen and take and see it from their point of view and stuff that's how it's got to be. At the moment, like woke people are trying to make uh, an enemy out of uh, quite a big swathe of the the population, and I really think you know people need to be brought on board and um, you know led to be led to be less racist. You can't like you can't batter them over the head. There's a there, in psychology. There's a there's a thing called uh, psychological reactance. So you want to do that if somebody comes and like you know shouts at you to tell you not to do something, you want to do that thing. Yeah. You know it's a it's a it's a it's a weird ins- you know disincentive. So and you see it with censorship. You know if something's censored, then then people want to find it. They want to search it out. They want to find it. They want to see it. And I think it's the same with uh, with this. You know if you shout at somebody and scream at somebody and call them names, you're not going to win them over to to your side of the argument. We need to like make it easier for people to to be less racist to make it you know a, a nice thing to do and not battering them over the head but sort of recognizing their point of view and bringing them with us i mean apart from the guys doing nazi salutes they can just be fed into a mincer you know what i mean like <laughs> fuck those guys like, you, he's going to get done for incitement <laughs> to violence against nazis now. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we'd like to publicly distance ourselves yeah. from anybody who wants to kill nazis no um, and to the few people who are who have that persuasion we realize you're not nazis you're nationalists it's yeah. very different <laughs> but but actually so basically what you're saying leo is cancelling little britain isn't going to stop racism oh man all these TV shows getting cancelled, that just plays into the hands of the far right because they've already got a, a narrative of uh, white British culture being under attack, which, you know, it, it is to a certain extent, you know, cock, the Cockney, um, I almost said race, but the Cockney culture. <laughs> <laughs> the Cockney culture. The Cockney, Cockney race, mate. <laughs> the Cockney tribe. I mean, if the, well, if, the, if the Cockneys were in the Amazon or Papua New Guinea, you know, all these, like, you know, woke lefties would be trying to preserve their culture. Yeah. <laughs> because they're white, everybody's like, nah, fuck you guys. You know what I mean? Go to Essex. Go and buy a house in Essex. You know what I mean? Take your jelly deals with you. But, um, you know, I think there is this this uh, narrative in the, in the far right of, uh, you know, white British culture being under attack. So if you cancel all these much-loved TV shows, you're just playing into that narrative. I mean, they're, they're saying, they're, saying they're, uh, they're looking at cancelling uh, some episodes of Only Fools and Horses, taking them down. I mean, you might as well shit directly into the Queen's mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is just like such a red flag. And none of it's being done by people of colour. All the TV executives, they're all these well-meaning woke lefties. They're all like Oxbridge-educated white people. This is why we need more like BAME like, representation in the, in, in the arts and in executive positions in the media. Because they're not going to make stupid positions. They're not going to cancel only fools and horses as some sort of gesture to make themselves look good. You know what I mean? If, if there's more like black executives in the BBC, I might have a chance of getting on it. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, you bring up an interesting point because, joke, joking aside, I'm not sure if it's about BAME representation. It's like probably more about working class representation, yeah. don't you think? I think that's really the issue. And very often when they do diversify stuff, it, it's the same Oxbridge graduates 
just with a different skin color, but they all woke lefties, as you say, yeah. as opposed to actually getting genuine diversity in there. And, and we, you see it with uh, people of color as well. I mean, a, a lot of the people they get, like, you know, Nish Kumar or whoever, they're, uh, they're, they're people of color, but they've got the same uh, Oxbridge, you know, lefty voice that, you know, all the, all the white comedians do. So, you know, there's not so much... You know, there's there's a, there's amazing amazing diversity of, uh, of of voices on the on the club circuit, but they don't all make it onto TV. It tends to be just that sort of strata of uh, of Oxbridge educated lefties. You really like Nish, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> he slagged me off. I got I had nothing against him. Then he slagged me off on stage, and it's like don't don't slag me off. You know what I mean? Because I'll bear a grudge. Do? My mate went to see him in Edinburgh, and he was he was on some compilation show, and he was drunk, and uh, he was shit apparently, and he, <laughs> he slagged me off. He slagged off right wing comedians and like named me, and uh, I can't remember who else. <laughs> well, well done! It's just erasing all the other right wing comedians from the field. Yeah. So you're, the, you're the one right wing comedian. So he slagged you off. Yeah. And then you've been slagging him off ever since. Twice. 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 <laughs> and now, I just did it now. But I didn't really slag him off. I just used him as an example of, you know, this sort of like, you know, it's, it's um, on, on the surface, it looks like diversity, but, you know, it's, it's not really diversity. There's, there's much more, you know, genuinely, culturally and whatever else diverse voices out there. And it's, but, I mean, I might not be articulating that very well, but I'm from, I'm from rural Scotland for fuck's sake. You know what I mean, I haven't done a degree in like, you know, this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem with woke people, man. They're like, you know, as somebody who's done a degree, you know, they'll, they'll attack somebody like Tyson Fury. They'll be like, oh, his, his opinions are terrible. So yeah, he hasn't been working on his opinions. He hasn't done like, you know, eight years PhDs in like gender studies and stuff. Of course he's got terrible opinions. He's been learning to get really good at boxing. <laughs> like why don't people, like nobody talks about like these people who've done all these gender studies degree being, being shit at boxing. Like if you focus on your opinions, you're going to get really good opinions. If you focus, focus on boxing, you're going to get good at boxing. I mean, it's it's a good point. I mean, look, we're having a laugh about it, but the reality is, is that if you've got opinions which are not deemed to be the correct ones, yeah, you're not going to get as far as you probably should. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer. Well, <laughs> because let's be fair. On look that at, note, our last question <laughs> is: <laughs> but, but take Edinburgh for example. Yeah. So, uh, like, explain to people who might not know about Edinburgh why Edinburgh is so important as a comedian and why it's, it's so important to get noticed. And to progress. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big sort of industry cattle market where all the comedians go, we do our shows, uh, all the industries there, then go and see the shows. And um, yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, for, for me, it's, a, it's an opportunity to make some money um, and write a new show. It forces you to write. Uh, I mean, I think Edinburgh is an actual important thing for a comedian getting picked up by the BBC or whatever is, is diminishing less and less. Like social media is becoming so much more important and videos you put out on YouTube or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you know traditionally that's why Edinburgh was important. Mm. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's 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 I, maybe you might disagree with it. I don't think you will. But isn't it a fundamentally biased system and way of doing things, the Edinburgh Festival? Yeah, I mean, the industry is still um, still hugely biased towards uh, sort of middle class woke uh, university educated lefties. Um, the the industry is run by by white woke lefties and uh, you know anybody who doesn't fit that fit into that mold doesn't doesn't get much of a look in mm. and what, what does woke mean to you because we use that term and we all say woke this woke that what does woke mean to you it's quite a sort of rigid ideology uh that shifts over time and like what's woke one week won't be woke the next week and like everybody's using last week's terms like i noticed uh recently somebody used a, a new term for being people so you know with um 
you know, with people of color, you know, it, it evolved to uh, BAME and then, uh, and now it's BIPOC. Which uh, what? Uh, black, indigenous, uh, was it ba- black and indigenous, uh, and black, indigenous and people of color, All I right. think. And there was a reason, there was a reason that did sort of make sense about why you'd use that. But then like anybody who's using the old terminology, you know what I mean? It's like when your granddad comes out and, you know, uses <laughs> some sort of racist term, you know, just because he hasn't been up there, he hasn't learned out of malice or anything. It's just what, they, what they've been taught. But like woke culture is always, and nobody's ever going to be, it's almost like, um, like with woke culture, nothing's ever pure enough. It's like this religious purity. And then you've constantly got to apologize and atone for, for sins that you may not have even committed. You know what I mean? Sins of your forefathers. You've got to apologize for slavery. I mean, I'm not, I'm not being funny, but like I doubt. I doubt my ancestors owned slaves. There's only like a tiny proportion. I think my, my ancestors were were just digging a you know field full of turnips somewhere and having a having a shit time. Um, but yeah, you've got to apologise for all this stuff, and it's it's almost like they've repackaged Catholicism. You know this this constant sort of atonement, this religious purity that you're never gonna you're never gonna attain, and also the constant atonement and you know absolving yourself and then feeling better because you've done that. Mm. Maybe there's something innate in people that wants to do that. When every Sunday wants to confess their sins and say they're going to be a better person and read these books on racial justice, you know? Uh, fuck a kid. Um, yeah. <laughs> Too much? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think but, but, that is... but that's what these religions do anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, we can cut that out. But um, <laughs> <laughs> No, it's staying in. It's staying in. BIPOC, I didn't know about that. So, like, I think between the, 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 all of these different groups, they're going to capture most of the alphabet very soon, aren't they? Mm. Mm. And I mean, the thing is, once you um, you know make these acronym acronyms big enough, like LGBTQ has you know gone on to I like, there's plus. lots of I plus and stuff, and now it includes me. They've included me in that thing, so uh, so they've got me turning up to their their parties, and they're like, "Who the fuck's this guy?" No, they're not really, but like you know, once once you make because I, I dated that transgender lassie, and I went to do a show about it in Perth and got cancelled. <laughs> so but, what uh, happened with that? Tell us. Oh, so basically, I did this. Um, I did, I did this show, uh, Right Wing Comedian, like a couple of years back. Well, last year in Australia, in fact. And uh, obviously, like a name like that got people's backs up in the arts community because, you know, they're all for diversity, uh, but not diversity of opinion. You know, they just got to stick to this rigid, sort of woke, lefty narrative. You know, you can't have any mainstream opinions uh, <laughs> broadcast on a comedy stage. That'd be terrible. Um, so yeah, so I was doing the show right when comedian people people went on to to try and um, try and get me cancelled. They dug through my stuff, went through my Twitter, went all the way back to um, that afternoon and found something <laughs> that, um, that I'd posted, and it was it was about um, it was about the the difference in transitioning between men and women. How it's you know is you know people talk. Well, it was about male privilege because people talk about how it's uh, how there's male pr- privilege, but I think it's tough being a man. You know that's why so many of us are transitioning right now. <laughs> and it, it is way harder for somebody like me to transition to being a woman than it is for a woman to transition to being a man. Like if I want to transition to being uh, a woman, it's a whole extensive thing. Like a, a woman wants to transition to being a man. Basically, she she stops shaving. Um, and um, you know, grows a beard, and people might be like, you know, I think that man's got tits. You know, like <laughs> if I want, uh, if I want to transition to being a woman, there's you know, there's all these hormones, surgery, all the rest of it I've got to go through. And people got really offended that uh, that material was transphobic. And it wasn't intended to be transphobic. It was just looking at the differences and mm. you know the the experience between men and women. And uh, you know, it's just a it's just a fact that that men who transition to to women are pass. Uh, less convincingly in society than women who transition to men because you get small feminine men like uh, you two. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you <don't... laughs> he's small now. He's lost a lot of weight in the lockdown. Did you notice? 
No. Have you lost weight? Have you lost weight? Yeah, I've lost about two stone, you prick. Have you really? Yeah. No way. How did you do it? <laughs> Basically, uh, I locked myself in my flat for three months. I can't cook and I had a breakdown. Right. Yeah, it's a good right. way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Wait, you had an actual mental breakdown? No. Anyway, it was a joke. Come on, oh, fuck right. off. <laughs> no, wait, we're all waiting for you to have one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's inevitable. Next yeah. time I get cancelled, which I will be. <laughs> which I will be. What were we talking we're about? We're talking about small effeminate men. men. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. So so you get you get uh, small effeminate men. So, like, you know, a woman who transitions to being a man will, will pass. But you tend not to get, you know, large masculine women. You know, the prominent brow bone and the jaw bone and all the rest of it. So women who transition, uh, men who transition to women don't always pass as well. And that's just a recognised thing, uh, but people people said people aren't as uh, people are, are you know aren't as well informed as me, but think that they're woke. Uh, accused that accused me of being transphobic and got me cancelled from uh, my venue. And my venue just pulled me straight away. They just said, you know, this is an inclusive space. You have to leave. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I was out. And um, yeah, like. Uh, what was, what was the original question? <laughs> it's the third time he's asked that. <laughs> but, uh, no, but, but what do you make of it, Leo? Because there's a lot of people in the world of comedy who, yeah. like, you know, we've probably used the term woke lefties like 20 times in the course yeah. of this interview. They'd be like, well, yeah, but it's never the funny comedians that are complaining about censorship and comedy, like all this kind of thing. Like, do, do you think maybe we go too far sometimes and we talk about all this censorship when actually we can all kind of do the stuff that we want to do? Is that... Um, I mean, I think censorship is is it can be quite a subtle thing. Mm. You know, even just um, even just like the self censorship that you feel most most censorship is invisible. It's just put on you by yourself. It's, the artist censors out of fear. So, I mean, if you're in a repressive regime, then uh, you know, like Iran or Brunei or something, then you're going to self censor. You're not going to mention the Sultan or or whatever it is. I mean, I did a gig in Brunei last year, and uh, where comedy is illegal, and you know, obviously, I wasn't allowed to mention the Sultan, but also, I mean, it made it exciting because it was illegal. Um, <laughs> but I bet your trans material went down. Great. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I did it. I think I think I just did like regular club stuff. Mm. But uh, but even like you know talking about shagging and stuff. Well, I mean, just the act of doing comedy in Brunei mm. is uh, you know you're not allowed to do it. So yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, yeah, so under a repressive regime, that's the kind of censorship you do. Are you saying that that's kind of what we're we're doing here as well? We we self censor because yeah yeah. If, if somebody comes out and you know does anything, you know if you question the the woke narrative, then you know you get shouted down. People you know see it, they say, oh, you're it's a dog whistle for for racism and stuff, or you're apologising for these uh, for right wing people or whatever. And uh, yeah, that that can have as as much of an impact. And also, I mean, there's there's uh, comedy club bookers who admit that they won't they won't book me. I mean, most comedy club bookers they they want to make money. They want everybody to have a good time. Uh, they know I'm not spouting you know hateful stuff. If you if you spouted if you genuinely did hateful stuff on stage at a comedy night, it wouldn't work because you don't need to censor comedians. There's already a jury in front of us judging us constantly, and that's the audience. If they don't like it, if they think that we're being, you know, racist, sexist, homophobic, they're not going to laugh. You've got to, you've got to sort of agree or at least recognize the the truth that something's coming from, and and find the person likable to be able to laugh at them. So censorship in comedy is is a bit ridiculous because it's completely unnecessary given that we're constantly self censoring and constantly uh, in that feedback loop with an audience. And it's interesting that you say that because you know, there's a comedy night that we do all the time, which is Comedy Unleashed, which yeah. we all love and we have a really good time at. And then every once in a while, some uh, really noble, uh, kind, 
woke person pops up and says it's a racist gig. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that affects, you know, now there's people saying that they want to distance themselves from Comedy Unleashed and, uh, you know, the same comedians who perform perform there are like, um, are, you know, alt-right. Um, which is they're just you know, talking about me, mate. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and yeah, like uh, that—that's—that censorship that that feeds into like people's self-censorship, and that that feeds into people's perceptions, Booker's perceptions, people in the media's perceptions, and cuts down avenues. You know, it's it's a, it's a subtle way of chipping away at somebody's somebody's freedoms. I guess it's not really censorship in the sense that the government isn't coming in and, and stopping it. Maybe what we're really talking about is this fever pitch, you know, everyone's a Nazi or everyone's a woke lefty. Maybe we're doing it a little bit too. Like everybody's evil, you know, yeah. on both sides. And therefore it feeds into this narrative that if you don't agree with somebody entirely, then they must be evil. Yeah. Now I, I would, you know, like um, I've seen many of your shows or performances and clubs and whatever, to be honest with you, I think you don't have to be right wing or even centrist to enjoy them. I think it's just great comedy. But I think what happens is if we keep being told that this is a night that only caters to right wing people or whatever, yeah. then it creates this false perception. Yeah. And uh, so I, th- I think maybe it's not censorship, probably the wrong word. Do you know what I mean? Like it's something, yeah. something Although, else. Yeah. I mean, censorship doesn't have to be this draconian, sort of state imposed, uh, absolutist thing. I mean, it can be the, the just gentle suppression. Of, uh, of ideas and, and people and uh, and self censorship is the I mean when we think of censorship we think of you know Lenny Bruce being arrested and all this kind of stuff but most censorship is just self censorship that you do according to to what you think is going to be um, what you think is fashionable and what you think is acceptable and and what you think is on trend and what's gonna what's gonna be good for you and is there stuff that you've not done that you've written that you thought this is great and it's funny and it's not. Uh, it's not hateful or anything like that, but you've yeah. gone, no, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I was I was dating a Nigerian lassie for a while, and I did stuff That's about. A good start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I did. Yeah. I, did I mean, it, and it was a, a a cultural eye opener for me. There was there was you know cultural differences between us that really. Um, I mean, I didn't know about the weaves. I didn't know about the weaves. <laughs> like, but I remember like, I was kissing her, and I was like, "What's these novels in your head?" And she's like, "It's it's my weave," and I'm like what's a weave? And she's like, you don't know what a weave is. And I'm like, no, what's a weave? And she's like, I'm like, I was like, no way. And she's like, did you think this is my real hair? And I was like, yeah. You know, like, I, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, so there's all that sort of, you know, culture clash stuff. But I found, um, you know, when I, when I spoke about it on stage, uh, some audiences liked it, but sometimes I could just feel arseholes starting to clench a little mm. bit that, you know, I'm talking about this, this sort of, um, you know, racial interplay. And do you, just before you jump in, Francis, do you find, like, I always find that, well, it was like four months ago, whenever, when we did comedy, but I've always found that if you do stuff about race, which is what you're talking about, or anything like that, it's, in my experience, and maybe I'm judging and maybe I'm wrong, but in my experience, it's always the middle-class woke people who are white that don't like it. Yeah. And it's usually the minorities who are laughing their heads off. Because, yeah, yeah. So really what what I feel is it's not so much that people from those communities are becoming more easily offended. Yeah. It's it's the white, woke, middle-class people who are being offended on their behalf yeah. preventatively. Do you, is that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, woke, white people love to get offended on other people's behalf and they love to try and fix problems that aren't, you know, they're not best placed to fix. I mean, if history has shown us anything, it's that oppressed, marginalized people are their own best advocates. Like, we, we should just sit back and let them speak and support them. 
Um, you know, Martin Luther King's speech wouldn't have been improved if some woke white guy in a Black Lives Matter t-shirt bars him out of the way <laughs> and said, well, wait a minute, Martin, uh, uh, we're going to park that for a moment because I also had a dream, you know what I mean? I was, I was riding a giraffe with the cheeky girls, you know, and whatever it is, you know. It's, uh, like, I think woke white people always try and, like, take offence, try and take offence on other people's behalf and also try and fix things, and it's, it usually backfires. It's really interesting when you watch comedy from like 10 years ago like even old episodes of Mock the Week with Frankie Boyle yeah. on them from 12 years ago and you are absolutely just flabbergasted at yeah. what they got away with he said something like even as a comedian be like oh that's a bit near the knuckle yeah. everybody laughs yeah. and then they just move on to the next job yeah yeah do you think we've become more censorious in comedy now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even Frankie Boyle himself. I mean, <laughs> he made all his money doing these outrageous, hilarious jokes about completely unjustifiable things. Like, there's no way you can justify that joke he did about Jordan's kid, Harvey. Right. You know, that's, and that's, that joke has got everything. It's a, it's a rape joke. It's misogynist. It's, uh, it's racial. It's like everything in that joke is fucking horrible. And now, like, I bet he made loads of money off it. Yeah. He made loads of money. And now he's turned around and he's like, oh, everybody else shouldn't be doing, you know, shouldn't be doing these. Everybody's got to be woke now. It's like, how about you give that money that you made doing these fucking horrible jokes? I mean, they're very funny. Much better than the stuff he does. But how about you give that money to, like, you know, other comedians that aren't allowed to do those jokes then? You know? <laughs> me. Give that money to you, me. You see, I would have gone to like orphans in Africa, but no, you just you just you just want the money. Me. Yeah. 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 Someone's not opening for Frankie Boy in his next But but it's amazing, isn't it? And it, you know, all of a sudden we've come to this point where you just can't say yeah. certain things and you self-censor yourself. Yeah. Do you reckon it's gonna come a point where comedy is essentially not really going to work anymore or do you think there's going to be a backlash? I think there's going to be a backlash and I think it's, I think it's already started and uh, I think people recognise, you know, mostly recognise that comedy's got to be a sort of unsafe space where we can be outrageous and provocative because that's where the funny stuff is. That's, and, I mean, I, and it's not for everybody. I mean, but I watched Nanette uh, and um, well, the other one, Douglas. I mean, I try watching. And I just I don't get like, but people are loving it, so that's that's fine. They can love that, but that's not my kind of stuff. I want to watch, you know, Jerry Sadowitz and stuff like that. So people have got to recognise that just as I can't shut down Hannah Gadsby, they shouldn't be able to shut down Jerry Sadowitz or Bill Burr or whoever I want to watch. Hello, guys, and welcome back to my bedroom, aka La Maison del Bonking. Now, we've got a returning sponsor for you, which is the shaving company, Harry's. And I've got to be honest with you, I love Harry's. I actually use them myself. They give a lovely tight finish to the skin. Beautiful light razors. They don't tug at the skin. So I'll give you a little bit of a backstory about Harry's, right? Which is, uh, it's, it's akin to Star Wars. It is a story of biblical proportions. There were two men, Jeff and Andy. Now, they may sound like they're in witness protection, but they're not, all right? And Jeff and Andy got sick of being ripped off day in and day out by razor blade companies not fulfilling their end of the bargain. So they did what any regular person would do. They bought a factory. The great thing about Harry's is that the trial set they provide you with gives everything you need for a beautiful shave. It gives you a weighted ergonomic handle, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. Although if you're like me, you won't need the lubrication. No, I mean Gary. And you also get a lovely lathering shave gel plus a travel blade cover for when you need to go about and you need to look sharp day to day. 
And we're really happy at Trigonometry to be able to offer you this in conjunction with Harry's. So you get a trial set for £3.95. That is a trial shaving set for £3.95. And the brilliant thing about this offer is that it gets delivered straight to your door. So you get the shaving handle, the five blade razor, the shave gel and the travel blade cover. And it's really simple to claim on this exclusive offer. All you need to do is go to harrys.com forward slash trigger. harrys.com forward slash trigger to claim your exclusive offer. And who knows, if you play your cards right, you'll end up looking like me. Yeah, and it's 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 really interesting because, like you said, like we, that that desire to shut it down. Why? Where do you think the counterculture is happening? Do you think it's something like comedy on leash, like nights? Is it the internet or is it other things? I think yeah, it's, it's across uh, it's across a lot of things. There's, I mean, comedy unleashed, but also regular club nights. Uh, you can really, I think, people think club comedy is just jonglers, it's uh, middle aged guys doing dick jokes, um, but actually it is. <laughs> but like when people have paid, when people have paid fifteen pounds to go and see comedy, um, like they'll they'll really stay on board for you know you can explore some ideas, political ideas, social social cultural ideas, and I think it's a good way of defusing tensions because there is there's I mean I know I mentioned it before, but there is this sort of pervasive feeling amongst you know certain sections of white British society that white British culture is under attack. And that's that's a that's a thing that's gonna that's a feeling that's gonna have to be acknowledged and dealt with. Anybody who voices anything about it at the moment is shouted down as a as a racist. You know, I mean, actually, I was arguing with somebody today. Uh, like I said, you know, we should make the you know the guy the hero from the um, riots who carried the black guy who carried out the the white guy uh, possible fascist. You know, <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't know, but yeah, there's a good chance he was throwing you know Nazi salutes or whatever before that. But he carried him out, saved him, risked his life to save this guy who might be ideologically opposed to him, might hate him, whatever. You know, he risked his, this black guy risked his life to like save this white guy, and it's a beautiful moment, and it does so much to sort of you know defuse the tensions and show you know the you know it's just a, a beautiful symbolic thing. And um, you know, so I said this this guy should play the new James Bond. And somebody like came straight in, they're all like, Oh no, no, I've got to have a white James Bond, you know, I've got to have a white James Bond. <laughs> it's like, why? He's like, he's he's British. And it's like, well, he's been played by an Australian and an Irishman, you know what I mean? Like why like Idris Elba is more British than fucking George Lazenby. You know, yeah. like he's, he's totally he's like, no, he's got to be white. But it's this weird. I mean, I was ripping the piss out of this guy for saying James Bond's got to be white, but that is how people that is some people some people feel they feel like you know uh, the attacks on all the, the TV shows getting taken off um, it all you know feeds into this narrative of uh, sort of white white persecution and it, I mean it goes uh, there's there's obviously deeper stuff as well like the the Rotherham um, you know grooming gangs and stuff like that which were um, you know the report said that uh, that political correctness um, you know woke culture was 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 part of uh, those incidents being ignored and allowed to carry on over over decades because people were scared of looking racist, so they allowed uh, children to be abused rather than look racist by by you know taking action to do it. And also, you know, it shows that uh, class is still a huge uh, a huge injustice in in our society. Um, you know, because they're white working class. Um, they're they're just ignored. There's no you know there's nobody advocating for them. They're they're seen as you know the the lowest rung of society, and you know I think that's something that's got to be addressed as well. It's really, again because it's deemed 
unacceptable to punch down on certain people. Yeah. But if you punch down on white working class people, yeah. that gets automatically a big reaction, you know, a little round of applause yeah, and the rest yeah. of it. And you were mentioning about Rotherham. I think the report got released, was it last month? And they suppressed it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they suppressed it. Right. Yeah. So... Again, because they're they're afraid of uh, you know inflaming you know racial tensions. Yeah, but they're inflaming they're inflaming inflaming them more by not releasing it. Yeah, because it's kicking the can down the road, and right. it's also giving you know fueling the the fire of uh, you know um, what's his name Tommy Robinson and you know all the all the sort of far right people. So you know it really needs to people really need to acknowledge it and deal with it before it becomes you know something that feeds into the far right. I think this is where the cultural aspect and comedy is part of this needs to recognize its role in the sense that if you can only make fun of certain groups, like I know lots of working class people who are absolutely up for being made fun of, yeah. as long as so is everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Right? But at the moment you start saying, well, you can't go there, you can't go there, you can't, and only these people can be the target of yeah. your jokes, yeah. then you're going to start to see a fight back there as well. And then yeah. who the fuck knows what we're going to be, we're going to be back to airplane food, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, it's a funny subject. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, so, where, where, I mean, obviously with the lockdown as well, it's had a, you know, a deadly impact on comedy for some time in this yeah. country. Uh, why do you see, do you think we're going to come back this year? And when we do, do you think it's going to be completely different, the same? Like, how do you see it? I think it's going to be gradual. I mean, there's uh, there's some promoters putting on driving gigs, which, uh, to be honest, sound pretty horrific. Like yeah. up, in, up in Glasgow, they're, they're doing them. Uh, so you stand on a truck, you've got a big screen behind you so everybody can see you. But then you've got like, all these Glaswegian families sitting in cars armed with car horns in front of you. So you <laughs> you're not getting any of the laughter, the feedback laughter from the crowd, but you are going to get uh, Glaswegians going, fuck off, you know. <laughs> you know? So I think it's good. And also you've got to keep it clean because it's families in the cars. So um, yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm going to do them because I like money, but <laughs> I'm not looking forward to them. And then I think club shows will start to return. I mean, a lot of people are saying they don't they don't feel comfortable going to a comedy club because you crammed them with so many people. But I mean, coronavirus virus is pretty much over, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? it? Feels like it. Yeah. yeah, it feels like it. You know, I mean, maybe not if you're eighty, but for, for the rest they, of us, they never came to my shows anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so. Maybe it's woke, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but it seems like the lockdown. I mean, like we're recording this in London now. I don't see many people you know, socially distancing or yeah, doing yeah. any of that. Especially not in this room, mate. Not in this <laughs> room. <laughs> you guys can't see there's about 73 people in here right yeah. now. All the windows and doors are shut and we can't breathe. Yeah, um, yeah, but but yeah, I mean, it does seem to be over. But, but I guess what I was asking as well is, do you, like, as I was thinking of, you know, coming back or whatever, are you thinking you need to, like, do things really differently with comedy or you just, you think we just come back, you know, you start doing basically the same stuff you were doing before with... Um, I think I'll probably update it. The one thing that's happened is because I'm doing uh, internet stuff and recording videos, I've been writing a lot more. So I think I think doing stuff on the internet is, is great for writing because you can't come out and do the same 20 minutes every week. So uh, so yeah, writing stuff, recording it. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's great with the internet as well. There's no sort of upper limit. I mean, my, my salary has been fairly sort of constant because there's only so many club gigs you can do. Yeah. So you, you can... You know, you're sort of capped, you're limited by the... And they, they never pay more than, you know, like two, three hundred quid. Occasionally you'll get like, you know, more than that. But, you know, you're generally sort of limiting. You can only do like maximum, you know, one or two a night. So that limits you. Whereas with the internet, there's no upper bound on, you know, how many people you can fit in the room. Mm. So, you know, I think like you guys with Trigonometry, which is, you know, taken off, and Comedy Unleashed, which is taken off online, you know, that's, that's the sort of way forward. 
So do you think more and more that you're going to be on the internet and comedy is going to lose that sort of live environment? I think the live environment is still, there's nothing, nothing's going to replace, you know, being live on stage in front of people. That's just, I mean, that's the sort of visceral thrill that I think, you know, comedians need. That's what I really meant. I got so depressed, like the first bit of lockdown. You know, because I went from doing festivals, so I was like, you know, doing so many shows a day. It was so much fun. And then like, you know, straight to nothing. It was horrible. And then you get an occasional like Zoom gig or whatever. You're just shouting at a laptop webcam. <laughs> and then you switch the laptop off and you're just like, fucking, well, you reckon there's light fitting will hold a rope? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was grim. But, um, An audience is the same. I think people, yeah. you know, they want to be in the live environment as well. There's yeah. nothing. You can't beat that for sure. Yeah. Uh, but There's it, something about human nature. We want people around us. We want that communal experience. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but equally, I think a lot of people are scared too. Yeah. Uh, this, well, we've, like Francis was saying, they've, they've been terrified for three months to stay at home, don't, you know. Yeah. Uh, maybe the, 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 you know, the whole protest and the riots might, might open the riots a little bit <laughs> yeah. on that front. Uh, that was a turning point for me, man, because I followed every single thing to the letter. And then the moment you, know, you're you just... Not, you're not in Russia now, man. So <laughs> you're in Britain. Nobody follows the rules. <laughs> well, I did, like an idiot. Uh, and then you wake up and there's like thousands of people in the street and you go, yeah. eh. I mean, maybe, maybe this wasn't all that real. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. yeah. Um, man, it's interesting times, isn't it? Interesting times. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the question is. Oh, about how comedy is going to be after after coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the internet's, uh, the internet's good. But the, the trouble with all this internet stuff is you've got to really work at it. Like, I mean, you, you guys, you, you must work really hard doing tra- all the editing and all this, and just organizing people to get in a room. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't organize stuff. If I could organize stuff, I'd get a normal job. Yeah. Like the only thing I'm sort of remotely qualified for is getting on stage and shouting. And like, I need a deadline to get anything done. And a gig is an inbuilt deadline. So you got to get yeah. to the gig and do it. Like having to record videos and edit them and upload them and do subtitles and stuff is such a pain in the ass, you know. Tell me about it. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Hate and Live as well, which is yeah. a, like a, an improvised show that you you do with another comedian. Mm. Um, I'm glad we didn't mention him. Yeah, right? let's not mention him. Yeah, fuck you, Darius. Hating But is that something do you think can, like, f- just tell people what it is and then we'll take, maybe talk about it. Yeah, so basically, Hating Live is uh, a show that I run with Darius Davies and it's a sort of, uh, you know how there's, there's uh, you know, censorship in comedy and you got to be careful about what you say? This, uh, this pushes the line way over because what we do is we get the audience to give us suggestions and then the comedians have to get on stage and hate on whatever that suggestion is. So it's coming from the audience. So they'll accept, you know, far more evil stuff than they would have if you just came out and started saying that stuff at a normal gig. Mm. And it's just got a brilliant atmosphere. And we've been doing it for ages now, like seriously, like eight years or something like that. And we, we take it to the Australian festivals and the Edinburgh festival and we tour it around the country and it's, yeah, it's really brilliant fun. I was thinking whether you could, you could do that online, but then I, I remember some of the comments that even we get and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to be a good yeah, take. Yeah. But have you thought about doing something like that, maybe like with TV or online or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, we thought about doing it and then turns out we're lazy, so we didn't do it. <laughs> but we did think about it, which I think is an important step. <laughs> but yeah, we are going to, we are going to do some, we were due to record uh, a show at uh, Comedy Unleashed before, yeah. yeah, before coronavirus. But then a coronavirus, you know, hit, and we can't do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think it might work online. You know, if you did it on like a Zoom thing, I mm. don't know. I mean, the, the really exciting thing about uh, about Hate and Live is it's really transgressive. 
So, you know, you get the improvised topic and someone pulls something out, like, I don't know, like little babies or whatever it yeah. is. And then you've got to hit, or although you've got to say why pedophiles are brilliant. Yeah. And immediately you can see the crowd just go, oh, this is something really exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and it almost feels like a complete antidote to, you know, bland TV comedy where you're just sitting there and you go, I know what you're going to say. I know yeah. how you're going to say it. I know what the punchline yeah. is. I can't believe they haven't put it on TV. We've got, we're, uh, we're talking to BBC Studios about doing it. Uh, we've been talking to, to other TV producers and it's like it's such an obviously simple format that just works and you can do it in a sort of, it almost works as a sort of more genteel show than our sort of late night rowdy live show. Uh, we've done it in bingo clubs and, you know, all sorts of venues where you've got to, like, you know, scale it down a little bit. It mm. works as a sort of, you know, more Radio 4 type show as well. But it's just so much fun. And there's just that tension in the air and then the release when the comedian... Because obviously the comedian, you know, if they've got to hate on something or they've got to say why they love pedophiles, nobody's going to come out and be like, you know, like, well, I really love booming kids. Or, you know, nobody's going <laughs> to... Somebody will gonna, do it on yeah, the internet, yeah. right? On the internet, <laughs> On the, on yeah. the YouTube, coming to like children too. Actually, there's been a few comedians, like the uh, Russ guy. Yeah. Got, like, there's been a few that could... Uh, oh, there's that one caught by the pedo hunters. I can't, in the Midlands, I can't remember what his name was, but oh man, it was oh, brilliant. I, I love it when I love it when comedians get caught by pedo hunters. It's just the best. <laughs> Nothing's more entertaining than seeing a colleague caught by pedo hunters. Oh my god, it's like oh, cancel, cancel everything this weekend. I'm staying and watching this. <laughs> uh, I've got a, my, my favorite are the uh, the woke comedians who praise International Women's Day, whilst when you know about their dating history and their reputation yeah. with women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, remember uh, Chris Coltrane? He was all like, you know, hey guys, hey guys, I'm a feminist and all that sort of stuff. And then it turns out he's sexually assaulting women. He, he ran a comedy night. Just you... uh, uh, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Leo, we, we had some run ins with um, uh, defamation and uh, oh, libel right. recently. So uh, we, we have to say that we have no actual evidence that Chris Coltrane. Uh, assaulted women. Although, uh, except, except the woman who called him out on Twitter saying that he'd assaulted her. Uh, he, he immediately uh, left comedy and closed down his Twitter account, his website, and social media. It could so. be a coincidence, man. I don't know. Like, I mean, even Michael Jackson held on in there. You know yeah. What I mean? <laughs> yeah, but Michael Jackson was good at music, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's in Crystal Train, wasn't the same level. But it is, like, it is like an iron rule, isn't it? Like, if someone goes on about how much of a male feminist they are, yeah. they've been. They've been nefarious behind the scenes. Yeah, they? yeah. That's and it. I think it's what like when Aziz Ansari, uh, when he got um, he got in trouble for basically, you know, he went on a date with this lassie and uh, and and he sort of, he got his cock out and you know was trying to like you just really started treating her like a piece of meat and like trying to trying to fuck her like but with no charm, you know, mm. no finesse, no seduction. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not the Leo curse. Why is it? <laughs> Didn't even buy her a bottle of buck fox. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, I mean, if, if you heard somebody, if you heard, uh, you know, somebody from Motley Crue doing that, you'd be like, yeah, what? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Motley Crue. Of course, he, of course he's going to get his dick out. But because Aziz Ansari had been like, oh, yeah, I'm a feminist and re even written books about how to date and how to respect women. Like, uh, it, was, it was worse, much worse coming from him. You know, mm. I think that's what we need to bring back, you know, good old fashioned honest misogyny. <laughs> Aziz Ansari shouldn't feel the need to do these books on feminism and stuff. Just, you know, come out and admit, yeah, I, I see women as objects and I'm going to put my dick in them. You know, that's, I, I can respect that. And then, like, at least women know. Women know when they go on a date with them, like he's going to get his cock out. <laughs> <laughs> There's a woman in the room who's laughing at him right now. But it's, it's transparent advertising, yeah. right? You, you just got to be honest about what yeah. you want. Right? Yeah, yeah. None of this, like, you know, Trade Descriptions Act thing, like, oh, I'm a feminist. Here's my cock, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what we do um on these interviews we we also got a thing called trigger clips where we clip little bits of the interview. Oh yeah. Right, just um and put it on without any context. I'm going to put that up there, mate. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's going to be the title as well. But but it but it's, it is it's um. Uh, we laugh about it, but it's also enraging, isn't it? The utter rank hypocrisy of these people. Yeah. And then and then because the general public takes them at face value and they yeah. go, like, we all know the one particular comedian where he goes, he's such a nice guy. And you're like, no, he's not. Who's that? <laughs> I'm not going to say. We'll say afterwards. There's so many of them. <laughs> There's so many of them. But yeah, he's very yeah. woke. Well, I mean, that's, that's the rule in comedy. If somebody's a nice person on stage, uh, they're a cunt off stage. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Whereas Darius, total dick on stage, like nicest guy in the world off stage. You Wouldn't know go I mean? that far. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pushing it a little bit. That's pushing it a little bit. Uh, but, you, you know, it's interesting. I always find it interesting just having chats with comedians because I, I think, like, obviously comedians don't have a fucking idea what we're talking about to some extent. But on the other hand, there's also a level of sensitivity to the culture because, like you say, the audience is always giving you feedback about yes. like what's acceptable, what's not. So what do you kind of see in terms of the cultural moment that we're in? Like, are we going to become more woke or more worried about like offending people? Or is there going to be like a massive backlash against that where you're going to see people maybe going back to doing like really outrageous stuff that's maybe actually too far? Like, how do you see the, the moment that we're in? Well, they've been pushing woke comedy for quite a while now. And some of it's sort of taken off and become popular. Mm. Uh, like Hannah Gadsby, for example. Um, but the comedians that are still making the big bucks, like Ricky Gervais, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, the ones that are like, you know, proper, you know, can fill arenas um, and, and make loads of money with their Netflix specials, they're they're not woke. So, I mean, it's almost like a, a fashion that's, you know, it's making a lot of noise, but it's not, I feel like we're at the tail end of it. Like, uh, it's like Britpop when menswear came out and there was a big <laughs> bidding more for menswear, but, you know, then it all like fell down in a pack of cards. I think, I think we're going to see a return. I mean, anti-woke comedy never went away. It was always there, like Dave Chappelle, you know, all, all these people, they're, they're, they're not woke. Mm. I think the reason that it's felt like that to, to us, to a large extent, is that people like Chappelle, Gervais, et cetera, they're independent. They yeah. can do whatever they want. They're yeah. not cancelable. Whereas, for the for us, it's much more a case of like, well, if you say the wrong thing, or you know, people look at your Facebook and you said something they didn't like, then you're not going to get booked for clubs, and that's your livelihood. Yeah. So it feels very different. So I think that's where the, a lot of the discrepancy comes in. Is you if you want non woke comedy, you can go and buy a ticket for fifty or hundred pounds and see the Bill Burrs, the Ricky Gervaises. Yeah. But if you go to a comedy club. I mean, it's all woke to a very large extent. There's a few exceptions, but generally. Well, I think in London, maybe it's yeah. woke. You know, but then the bigger clubs, I wouldn't say it is woke. I think you know, it's, it's much more like Bill Burr or, or Chappelle or you know, somebody like that. They, they want, I mean, at the bigger clubs, they, they want people coming in, spending money, having a good time, going away and coming back. So they put on good people instead of woke people. I'm not saying there aren't good woke comedians, but I just can't think of any right now. <laughs> 
Oh, Leo. So um, we, we've. Uh, I'm wondering how many bits of this episode we're actually going to have to come. What? None. 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 Because <laughs> we said allegedly. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. true. We you can always beep out Chris Coltrane's name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <And> Twice. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> and Russell Brands. <laughs> Ooh, we're definitely going to have to. Yeah, we yeah we were we were going to be sued by a very prestigious lesbian magazine. So oh, really? Le- yeah. Lesbian magazine for men. Yeah. Graham Linhan when we had him. On on the show said that oh. Diva magazine was a lesbian magazine for men, yeah. Whereas it's a lesbian magazine for trans people, yeah. Ah, oh, right. So he was being transphobic, saying like yeah. transgender people yeah. are, are, but men. he was joking, and, and all of us laughed obviously because right. transphobia is funny. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but what he said was a joke, and then they pretended that it was meant literally and threatened to sue us, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so from that moment on, we try not to say things that are true, yeah. I'm surprised that like, Graham Lenehan, all these people like are sort of using their voices to sort of kick transgender people. You know what I mean? Because they're the most, you know, like they're the most sort of vilified. Is the the only sector of society apart from like white working class people that is okay to openly sort of uh, be shitty to. Like uh, it's still it's still a big problem. So that's not very funny. But like, you know, just, <laughs> so you're not a fan of the of the of the G Lena? I just I don't I don't know why I don't know why he's doing it. I don't get it. Like, I don't. I don't get why he's do, why he's got a, like a bee in his bonnet for transgender people. I mean, I, I totally get. You know, there's it's a difficult issue in certain ways that, like, you know, there's there's changes that could be exploited nefariously. Like, um, you know, well, it's an issue of women's rights, Leo. Is the, yeah, is the women's right, yeah, exactly. You can't just have a guy being able to put on a frock and going into you know women's spaces. But then on the other hand, like Danny, the last year I dated, like absolutely stunning, totally looks like a like a woman. If she if she was in the men's toilets, people would be like, "What the fuck are you doing in here?" Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, so I mean, where does where does Graham Lennon draw the line? Does, right. does he have a hotness rule? Leo clearly does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course he does, mate. He's problematic. Uh, no, I mean, look, that conversation is one where there's a lot of militancy on both sides. Yeah. yeah. And we've had people on from from all sides to talk about it. I, I think there's people who think, who feel very strongly that it's about protecting women. Yeah. And there's people who feel very strongly that it's about preventing discrimination against trans people, which we all support. You know, we, we're joking yeah. about it, but of course we do. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I guess it's about finding middle ground. And we don't seem to be in a time where anyone wants to find middle ground on any issue. Yeah. And it's such a nuanced issue. And mm. it's almost a sort of case by case uh, basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, hopefully the government's you know, bringing through legislation that's going to, you know, deal with it. And then we don't <laughs> look at the twinkle in his eye. He knows it's not going to happen. But but I, I actually think a lot of the pushback against some of the excesses of the trans lobby has now resulted in the fact that the legislation you're talking about, which is the Gender Rec- Recognition Act, they've taken out a lot of the stuff that was just like what you're talking about. Right. I'm a woman. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. gone now. Self ID. That's gone. Right. Yeah. That was the stuff that people were pushing back against. Yeah. But I think for some people. Like everybody has an issue where they're like, this is the thing and I'm going to tweet about it every fucking day and this is my thing, you Mm -hmm. know, and I think people can get stuck in that militancy a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's probably a social media thing more than anything. Oh, man, social media is just not helping right now. I mean, when there's the Rodney King riots, you know, at least there were social media wasn't amplifying the, the worst voices on each side, you know, like and. You know, you're just hearing from neo-Nazis and from, you know, militant anti Antifa people. Um, and they're, you know, people pick the extremes to show, you know, they're the, they're the voices that get shown, you know, so somebody can grab the Antifa voice 
and say like, look, this is what the this is what this side are like. And somebody can grab you know the neo-Nazi voice and be like, this is what these people are like. When they're just the the very narrow slivers on the extreme ends of the the dicks. Yeah, Constantine is doing very well on social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. big fan of Antifa. <laughs> yeah. So I don't understand social media. Like I've I've got so I've got about what four thousand followers on Instagram. Like I was I was looking. There's a there's a, a chicken that doesn't have any feathers. This chicken that doesn't have any feathers just running about looking like a mad chicken with no feathers. It's got like sixty thousand followers. <laughs> Well, a chicken with no feathers. What's so it you're do? less than ten percent of a chicken. What have I got to do? <laughs> what have I got to do? You like this chicken that doesn't have feathers? You don't like me? <laughs> and do you think audiences have become more censorious, Leo, or do you just think it's an emboldened minority who are? Well, they certainly seem to like chickens that don't have any feathers. <laughs> no, I don't think audiences. I mean, certainly some audiences. I mean, like I've I've had people in audiences that you know that. Um, do you get walkouts okay. at your shows? Oh yeah, I got walkouts. Uh, I get walkouts, I get walk-ins, um, <laughs> I get walk-ups. Uh, yeah, I've had to jump off stage and throw people out of shows and stuff. Because and when you do the free fringe in Edinburgh, you don't have security or anything, so you've got to do it yourself. But um, <laughs> You're well-suited for that role. Yeah. But actually, I mean, to be fair, like walking out of a comedy show, you know, they could just be walking out because of shit. Um, uh, no, the, I mean, the worst thing about, the worst thing is when they stay and like just, you know, like stay and try and like, you know, fuck with the show. I mm. hate that. Mm. I hate that. I had one of those in Edinburgh last year. Um, but yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying, you know, just talking about audiences is like, I think people, you know, people have a right not to like a show and walk out. That's not, that's yeah. not censorship, you know? What yeah, I mean? as I long guess... as you get the money. <laughs> no problem at all with people not liking the show. Comedy is very subjective. Mm. But then like, I don't know why people come to a show that's like, you know, called right wing comedian. They're like, wait a minute, this is this comedian saying he's right wing. Oh my God, he wants lower taxes and smaller government. Oh my God, this guy's Hitler, you know? <laughs> why, why do people do that? Like, you know, read the, read the thing. I, I went to see, last time I went to see Jerry Sadowitz, fucking loads of people walked out. And it's like, what did you think you were paying £25 to see? Mm. Do you think people enjoy that walking out? That they get some kind of superiority Did out of it. They get to have that performative yeah. moment where yeah. they, you know, make their voice, make their make their feelings shown, their opinions shown. Man, they got social media for that. They can go and tweet their disgust. So you know, you get people following you on social media just to just to hate. You. I get people following me on social media, and then they like comment under my tweets saying this is disgusting and stuff. And I'm like, well, thanks for engaging with it, you know. And they're like, actually, we're ratioing you. So you've got more like comments than likes or whatever. And it's like, I don't give a fuck, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not getting paid for this shit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you talk about being right-wing comedian. Is that more of like a marketing thing for you or is it really very much like that's who you are, that's who you've always been? Like, do, do, I'm not saying you're being fake or anything. I guess I'm just saying like, did you feel like you had to lean into that persona a little bit more to stand out? So you think I'm being fake? Definitely, <laughs> definitely, mate. I think, I mean, you know, part of it's uh, marketing, part of it's giving a, a show, getting a show idea mm. that you can then write funny stuff. Because I find like writing funny stuff, all these like, you know, BBC writing rooms where they're like, hey, what's the angle we can take? Donald Trump's an idiot. You know what I mean? That's not funny. Yeah, saying no. Donald Trump's an Also, it's not fucking true. Man, this guy's got like, what, $4.4 billion. He's got like big skyscrapers with his name on them. You know, he bangs porn stars. This guy's not an idiot. This guy's the fucking dream. You know what I mean? <laughs> fucking legend. He's a legend. Like, yeah, and then there's these comedians saying he's an idiot. You know, oh, he's, he's a bad businessman. No, he's a great businessman. I'll tell you what a bad businessman would do. Like, become a comedian. <laughs> Put on a show at the Edinburgh Fringe. Lose loads of money. That's like, you know. I don't know. Like, I just find there's more opportunity for humour 
you know, being being right wing and playing devil's advocate that way. And, you know, from a realistic point of view, I worked in policing and I worked in government for a long time. And I just saw how nepotistic and corrupt uh, everything is. And I just believe in smaller government and, and, you know, fewer resources flowing into the government. I mean, the whole idea of socialism is that, you know, some apparatchik behind a desk can spend your money better than you can. You know what I mean? Mm. And I, I support it for things like the health, si- health system, like nationalised healthcare is just better, is more efficient. You know, it just it, you get a better service and it, it shouldn't be something that's, that's done for profit. But for other things like councils, you know, are just expanding the roles way and way out of, you know, what they, they should just, you know, keep the streets clean and, you know, collect the bins. That's all they need to do. Schools and stuff don't, don't need to do anything else. Spoken like a true Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks for coming on, Leo. Uh, Thank you. I, you've got nothing to plug, I imagine, at this point. No, you can follow me on YouTube, like Leo Kers. I've got like 5,000 followers on YouTube now. Yeah, make sure we'll put the link to the channel. All make right, sure cool. to put the link in so people can follow you. Very funny guy. And Leo, the last question we always ask is, what is the one thing that we aren't talking about that we should be talking about? I wrote something down. Oh, right. It better I'd, be good, I forgot. Well, I forgot what it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's keep that in. We've, we've, already, we've, already, we've already mentioned it. Yeah, deal, dealing with the. Well, I didn't know I was going to have to answer a question. <laughs> didn't know there's going to be. Let's like turn up. Like we, we did actually tell him. We got we got an exam. We got an exam at school. You turn up. They're like, oh, we got an exam. I haven't revised. You know. Yeah. Because um, interviews don't normally have questions, mate. <laughs> nobody's. Yeah, nobody's talking about it. Um, I mean, I think that I think a big problem going forward is going to be the the sort of the white. British uh, feeling of culture and values and, and uh, you know, heritage being under attack, you know, with war memorials defaced, TV shows getting taken off. And, you know, I understand those things weren't done to for, for that reason. But I think, you know, that feeling of white British culture being under attack is going to is going to fuel the rise of uh, of the far right. So it needs to be dealt with. You know, it, they need to be brought into the to the conversation and just made not to feel pariahs, not to feel outcasts. Well, maybe we should stop attacking white British culture. That would be a good start. Wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah that, just, that'd be like a simple fix to that issue. Yeah, no it? defacing war memorials. No. Like if, if there's grooming gangs, then deal with them quickly and effectively. Like sounds pretty radical, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> extremely radical. <laughs> All the things to deal with that are you know are pretty pretty nice things to do so i can't see it happening anytime <laughs> soon i'm gonna be honest mate yeah. can, can you what what do you think will be the response from what from the government from society to that issue to to that issue uh, i mean i'm not i'm not i'm not sure to be honest i'll have to see how, how things settle but i mean given the the sort of re, the, what happened on saturday where well, that was shocked by the by the you know neo-nazi salutes and stuff that was really like shocking to me and really sort of abhorrent and I was like I felt really sick like much worse than you know I saw the, the he's loo- got all his work talking points yeah yeah oh, I, I, I felt sick in my stomach no I no, did. he's I just feel, a, mate, you're sick. just upset that you saw your audience out <laughs> <on> the- <laughs> exactly <laughs> well that's the thing is sometimes you know you, you post a video on YouTube and somebody posts underneath and be like yeah, we need to get these fun and you're like no 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 that's no 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 <laughs> I just want smaller government yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well on that happy note Leo thanks for coming on mate cheers it's thanks for to, having me good to see you uh, make sure you go follow Leo it's very very funny and he likes to rub the wrong Pe- the, rock, the right people I thought he was going to say penises now <laughs> <laughs> the that's, wrong that's, tra- that's transphobic he likes to rub <laughs> the right people the wrong way I like to rub consensually I like to rub the wrong penises the right way yeah exactly like absolutely uh, especially his own now uh, thank you very much for watching we'll see you very soon with another interview or live stream uh, take care Absolutely. And next time, uh, we'll make sure to do an intellectual one, guys, for those tuning in to thinking that it was going to be an intellectual one. See you next week. I could have talked about policing. <laughs>
Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.